1: Never give up, and the author is Doctor Majid Shano. That's right. And Doctor Shano joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Doctor Shano. Hi. Well, we're talking to you uh, in Germany, and we're thrilled that the that the connection is so clear.
2: That's right. Yeah, I I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's very, very good. Good. So congratulations on publishing your book. I'm going to read a couple of things that you've written just to help everyone understand what we're going to talk about. Of course, the title in and of itself says it all, never give up. But this is what hey, That's you, right, yeah. <laughs> this is what you've written. No matter who you are, go to school to learn and use your brain and create new things for you by asking why and why not. And just another thought you write, just be yourself, have confidence in yourself, believe, yes, that's right yeah believe in your work, be optimistic, work hard, and never give up and try to always have plan B if you don't succeed with your plan a that's very good uh, wisdom isn't it <laughs> I hope, <laughs>
2: it's all right, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, why, why write the book? What was the motivation, doctor?
2: The motivation, you know, when I was in Cairo, 1974, while I'm looking uh, inside my diary, I found something which I wrote it that time, 1974, March 1974. I was, uh, <clears throat> at that time, a student in Cairo University. Then I found, I asked in in this document, I found some questions. I asked myself that time, why black people are good in music and sport? Why not in physics, mathematics, philosophy and other subjects? I asked myself then after two three lines I asked myself once again hey you are studying medicine when you can be why why don't you try to be a scientist that's that I find it then I I finished that time I said good luck maybe you will try it one one day when I when I wrote this thing I just said where I am now. I found myself, I am a doctor, I am inventor, and I I have succeeded having patents. Then I tried, yeah, this is the right time to write it. Then I start to think about it and start to write this book.
1: So now you're an author that you can add to doctor and scientist. Yes. I'm a doctor inventing auto now. Nice. Well, congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. Now you were born and raised in Ethiopia. I born in Ethiopia, yes, and and when you were growing up, uh,
2: I, yes, I born and grew up in Ethiopia till I was nineteen years old. Then I left my country because of political reason, and went to Egypt, where I got a scholarship to study medicine.
1: When you were growing up, doctor, did you have these feelings that you needed to really work hard and make something of yourself?
2: Never, never, never and ever. What you know? This I, I, as I went to add I saw my relatives going to school and do something, and I asked and there I have suggested what they do, what I'm doing now. One day, after uh, as I wrote in my book, I just went back home and then. That's what turning point of my life I, I in Addis. when I went back home in harar then i started to go
1: to 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 find ways to go to school so you were and, you were inspired by others in your family
2: that's right yeah that's right that that's right then after that then i uh, i used to play football very nicely then i saw my colleagues in in the school they are doing well and i was always not good then i said why not you study? why not these people are better than you why not you try to be to be better one from then then i tried to study very hard then i found myself now yeah, very good
1: well it- there's no easy road, is there? It's just hard work and and study a lot. I mean, most people today have, seems, especially American children, don't understand the importance of just a lot of study. Not only American children, my children, my ch- my child, and my children.
2: They are not <laughs> they didn 't find uh, they, they are not conscious about to stay hard on to to get something to be motivated to uh, to work hard no they are not motivated you know i don 't know why because of the, the the opportunities here is every they have got an opportunity and they they don't they don 't like to fight at all, so you get what they want here yeah? so they don't they don 't they don't stay why i
1: don't know why so we have a responsibility as parents and adults don't we to really uh, not only encourage children but to really push them that's right that's right yeah and
2: when i see the children in africa or in the third world they they have ability they have potentiality, the only thing that they lack of opportunity and motivation. When they when they have that, I, I think they can be
1: somebody. So a real key, as you put it, real simply, believe in yourself.
2: That's right. That's right. That's, yeah, that, after a long time, I found myself, the only way to do better is to believe in yourself and to work hard, to use use your brain. Always, day and night, think about it, how you will be somebody. Then you will be somebody one day. That's what I mean.
1: Where did that finally make sense to you? When did that happen, doctor, that you really knew that you had to take charge of your life, believe in yourself?
2: Uh, in a high school, you know, in high school, I, uh, because my father was in prison, then I said, "You have got responsibility." And I was in this, in a high school, some of my comrades were better than me, and I said, "What I am doing now? Why not? I cannot be one of them. What? Why cannot? Uh, why not? I, I will. Uh, I I stayed very hard. on to be. T- 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 to take the responsibility of my family. That's what I started the day in high school. I started to to take my responsibility of my own, myself. And I tried to work very hard. And I have a nice,
1: nice, uh, good uh,
2: uh, certificate to to go to the college, to university.
1: And, of course, if you hadn't had that uh, desire to really study hard in high school, you wouldn't have gotten into the university. Yes. yes. That's why I was conscious
2: about In high school, I was very, very conscious, and I did a very, very good note, and I got a nice certificate to go to the university, yes.
1: You also have this phrase that you want everyone to know, if you fall down, get up and carry on. That's right. This motivation
2: is, 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 is in Egypt, you know. When I was in uni, uni, and I saw many of my colleagues, when they, when they fall, they just give up. And I say, no, I don't do that. Once I fall down, I must stand up and run, try to go ahead. That's, uh,
1: and we have to learn don't we doctor that some of the things that we may want to do and be successful at doesn't happen the first time we have to do it the second or third time it may take or even more that's right that's right i've never uh
2: i i have never been uh, at once so uh, successful. I tried and tried. And any time when I fail, I, I tried it once again. And uh, you know, when I make a mistake, I, I just went sit down and I ask myself, "Hey, Majid, why did you dust? Why did you fall? What did it? Why, why didn't you succeed with this thing? What is your problem? Why don't you?" Change your method. Why? To, why? Why not you do this way? Why do you did that? You so please take care of yourself. Do something that is not right. Go the right way. This I used to criticize myself every day in my diary. Every time I used to. Uh, such a new position, a new change, a new method of to, to get successful. And uh, all my dairy is written only uh, self-critic on the way of finding a successful way.
1: Well, as you so, so well point out, too, doctor, that often... We want to blame somebody else or our circumstances, our conditions, because we're not being successful instead of taking that responsibility, right? That's right. But uh, I, I just say this situation,
2: has, has, but everything I, I used to, to talk about myself, you are responsible, I am responsible. Why should I go with this situation? How I I, I win this situation? How I can convert this thing into my own opportunity? When I used to always speak with myself, and I, I used to try to, Change my ways with, and pass the with, with the conditions which I have, and uh, within it uh, the, to make the best out of out of the out of the situation to make my own successful way to, to
1: create this way. And sometimes progress is very very slow. It doesn't seem to be happening. Never, never,
2: never. For example, when I try to to find a job in germany it takes me a long 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 time i used to write about 200 applications and when they uh, invite me for interview they have seen my black color mostly three four five times they say we are sorry we cannot our people cannot accept you your color, so please don't take it easy so I have such uh, uh, such kind of uh, experience
3: uh,
2: even though I tried again and again and again again bit till I get a place to work. <laughs>
1: So never give up, like never give up, like yes, your that's title right. so well <laughs> says, right? Never give up. Now also, you say later on in life that you learned a very important lesson. And this, I'm quoting you: pay attention to feelings of overtaxing oneself and exhaustion. Now, explain what you mean. Uh, would you please repeat your question? Yeah you you said this pay attention to feelings of overtaxing oneself and exhaustion.
2: Yes uh when you work hard don't forget yourself. This is very important. Take time for yourself. Don't forget yourself. This that, that means relax meditate mediate. Take, make a sport. Do something for yourself.
1: Don't forget. Take time, one hour. That's what I mean. And today you're a doctor of sports medicine. Yes, I'm a doctor and specialized in sports medicine. Yeah. And also, you have some um, medicine patents.
2: Yes, I have patents, medicine patents too. Yes, yes.
1: What about including other people into helping you solve your problem when things aren't going as well as you would want them to? You mean, you mean
2: now or uh, uh, in the past? In the past, I have, I have got many people have helped me materially and... Uh, they gave me Soviet so advice. I have taken everything, you know. Everything what the people gave me, I took it. And out of it, I have, I have taken the best one, and I, 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 uh, then I leave the other one.
1: Well, the title of the book is Never Give Up. And That's right. We appreciate you, Dr. Majid Shano, for sharing us, sharing with us uh, your insights and what has made you successful. Doctor, tell us how to get your book.
2: I hope it will go on in the, the whole world, in every English-speaking country, I hope. So
1: we can go that- online to all the different book retailers, and I'm sure ask for it there. We can order it. That's
2: right. That's right, yeah.
1: And also of course through authorhouse.com uh your yeah. pu- your publisher. Now do you have a website, Doctor?
2: Uh um, yeah, my Magichano my website, you know. Magichano, V V when you write it I, I have it.
1: Okay. Majitchano dot com? Yeah, yes. Okay. Very good. Well we appreciate you being with us on Author Talk. Thanks so much.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, and we I hope we'll be successful.
1: Thank you very much. That was Dr. Majid Chano and he is the author of his book, Never Give Up.
0: You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Innovation and insight, problems and solutions, capitalizing on your ideas and efforts. That's all a part of changing the world one invention at a time with Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 central on toginet.com. Rick will be sharing stories of innovation, invention, inspiration, and overcoming obstacles with guests who have been there, done that, and are doing that. Rick will be asking the right questions, helping you identify the real problems, and showing you how to act on your ideas by increasing consumer confidence, and more importantly, increasing your confidence to act on your ideas. For even more information, go to ThinkTech, that's T-E-K, Globally.com. Then join us as Rick and his guest teaches how to develop new ideas and create new products, new businesses, new jobs. And together, let's get our economy growing again. It's changing the world one invention at a time. With author and inventor, Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on toginet.com. Y'all wave
1: your hand, look who's on. It's Dakota Man Keith and he's number one. Now you might think Juan's youth was sad. Right. Cause he had a death kill mommy and dad. Right. But that ain't the case. Nope. It wasn't his fate. No. Nope. The waltz never struggled to communicate. Ha. Y'all wave your hand, look who's on. It's Dakota Man Keith number
0: one. It's That Keith Wan Show on Toganet.com Wednesday nights at 8, 7 central. Every week, That Keith Wan Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Juan and the show, go to his website KeithWannWANN.com Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge.
1: Number, number one. Uh-huh. Keith's number one. Uh-huh. Everybody Crack, the of man's on. Number number one number one.
0: Bye. Everybody crack, the of man's on. Don't miss that Keith One Show. Wednesday nights at 8 7 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk. Brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of
1: the book, Freeway Close and the author is Susan Calhoun and Susan joins us now on author talk. Hello Susan. Hi. We're going to discuss this Serial Killer, uh this mystery that you have created and uh this is a little different than most and we're going to get into that, but I want to read a couple of things that you have written about your book freeway close you say this I love true crime and crime fiction when I decided to write a serial killer was my perfect subject I also wanted to explore the killer's evolution and how easy it is to kill in a place like LA you really get into the mind of this serial killer don't you
4: yes that was one of my main focuses and I tried really hard to do that and why did you do that Well, I think society as a whole and me personally, uh, I think there's a lot of interest and curiosity about how a human being can turn into basically what we all consider to be a monster. And I don't think these monsters are necessarily born. But on the other hand, you can't just point your finger at society or at the parents and say that it's somebody else's fault. I think there's a, an interplay between the heredity aspect and the environment where something gets a person Moving in that direction, and I was trying to show how somebody who was already kind of uh, at risk could Easily or maybe not so easily, but could eventually Evolve into what we see as a monster
1: now your killer in this book uh, Doesn't have a name where this is this is not so much the focus of a person It's the mind exactly and we're not following the police uh, search and uh, you know all that goes into try to find the killer. This is this is really different.
4: Well, there are many many police procedurals involving various police departments. The LAPD, of course, we have Michael Connolly who was wonderful author and various other uh, authors who use the FBI and what have you to show how uh, these people are apprehended. And I could have written something along those lines because I've, I've had experience in that area as well as vast reading experience in that area. But I wanted to spend more time on the killer himself and what was really in his mind and what he thought of the police and what he thought about society and, of course, what he thought about his victims. And I didn't really want the distraction of the police moves. Um, to interfere with the killer. Furthermore, um, I didn't want the police to save the day. I wanted the victims to save the day because this is also about victim empowerment and specifically female empowerment because women are almost always the helpless victims in these books and movies. And I wanted to see the women in this book be able to... uh, create their own destiny if you will in a rather socially unacceptable way.
1: Now you write the book touches on a lot of topics, racism, homophobia, religious bigotry, drug abuse, police brutality, infidelity, and of course, violence against women. So the book is obviously loaded with these issues and done in a very unique way and that's what sets your book apart, the freeway or freeway close is uh, much different than the usual serial serial killer uh, novel. Now, this killer, he's a con artist. He starts out as a con artist. I mean, he doesn't have murder in his
4: mind. Not at all. Tell us how that Uh, evolves. Okay, well, he is essentially someone who feels entitled to have what he wants and initially what he wants is material things so he has various scams going to make money he has a fake Earthquake insurance scam that he starts uh, after one of LA's earthquakes. He has various false identities that he uses with credit cards that he's stolen. He's just—he's a very accomplished con artist, and he's also a rapist. However he wasn't the type of rapist who necessarily brutalized his victims the women that he raped were more like other things that he wanted he felt entitled to having sex with who he wanted to have sex with and so and he used various con games to get the women to get into the car with him so he had expanded his con artist motif into rape. But then when he switches to killing, it's really by accident because uh, one of his victims fights back by attacking him and he explodes into this rage, which um, he ends up accidentally killing the victim and then realizes that, hey, uh, there's a new satisfaction to be had through killing And killing becomes one more thing he feels entitled to.
1: Now, we have two main characters. We have Kathy, a suburban housewife and mother, and we want to learn more about her. And then we have Lorraine, an African-American lesbian postal worker uh, with her own emotional struggles and and her broken heart and uh, problems with her mother. Let's, Let's get into Kathy's head now. Tell us about Kathy.
4: Well, Kathy is a traditional young lady. Uh, She has essentially followed society's norms. She feels that she deserves a good life because she feels she has done the right things. And initially, her life is good, but she's beginning to have trouble with her husband. He's very involved in work not enough involved in family life and as time goes by she becomes suspicious that he's having an affair but she's very much into denial she doesn't want to really face this fact head-on so she keeps pretending that things are okay even in the face of more and more uh clues that things are really not okay She's not really a take-charge kind of woman. Her husband is basically in charge of the marriage, even though she's running things at home pretty much the way she wants to, which is another problem. She's over-involved with her kids. And so when she is abducted, initially she, she is not prepared, or at least we wouldn't think that she was prepared to take any kind of charge but to just be another one of his many victims that couldn't do much of anything about it so part of this story is to give her some empowerment to to make her leave her comfort and will and do something to save her life
1: okay now tell us about
4: lorraine Okay, now Lorraine is on the surface, at least, totally opposite from Kathy. She's a black woman. She hasn't had a difficult life, really. She had she came from a intact family. Her father worked and everything. Uh, she has had trouble, however, with her lifestyle, being a lesbian, there's been a lot of disapproval in the black community, particularly her mother. And then her father passed away kind of unexpectedly. He was the one that was always supportive and in her corner. So now she's at odds with her mother. Her mother is struggling in her mind with both of her daughters because the other daughter Lorraine's sister is living the druggie lifestyle neglecting her children and so forth Lorraine is a take charge kind of woman she's running her life she's supporting herself she's working for the post office but she's really not in control she wants to be and she thinks she is but she really isn't because her girlfriend dumped her and she's got an anger management problem and she's got an incipient drinking problem so she really isn't in the control that she thinks she is she's living a A kind of a take charge, I'm not going to take anything from anybody, personality, but really she's not running her life either. She's got the anger problem and the alcohol problem and the problem of the relationship problem. One of the reasons the girlfriend dumped her was because of her anger and her alcohol problems. And so she's really trying to come to grips with things herself and not being too terribly successful.
1: This serial rapist murderer has gotten the whole city of L.A. in fear.
4: Yes, absolutely. And he has managed this, well, number one, by attacking and that's sort of where the the freeway close title comes in. He is freeway close to all his victims, and he kills them and then gets on the freeway and goes back where he came from, and nobody knows where that is, really. And so the whole of L.A. is vulnerable. And then he comes up with the idea of making uh law enforcement and everybody else think he's black And this is mainly, it's to throw law enforcement off. But it's also because he thinks it would be a cool idea. They've profiled him as a white guy. So he's ready to say, well, hey, I'm not who you think I am. I'm somebody else. It feeds into a kind of a sick sense of humor that the man has. Plus, he doesn't like black people. He doesn't like, actually, he doesn't like anybody. He particularly doesn't like black people. He doesn't like Mexicans. He doesn't like women, obviously, and um, I use him as kind of a a reference for society as far as showing the contempt that he and large segments of society have for these groups. I didn't mention homosexuals. He doesn't like them either, of course.
1: One of the themes uh, that you are promoting, women must take responsibility for their well-being and survival.
4: Yes, absolutely. And expecting to live by society's rules, and expecting the police to do it for you, or expecting a man to step in and do it for you, is rather unrealistic. And and hopefully, as a as a say as a sex, women are moving in that direction. But my personal opinion is we're not moving far enough, fast enough. An awful lot of women are still victimized because they won't take action against their attacker or their stalker, whether that's an ex-boyfriend or whether it's somebody at work or whether it's a stranger on the street. Women still are too readily victimized. taken in by the victim role women need to be more proactive as they say in their own defense
1: and so that's what uh, lorraine and kathy have to do they have to be proactive
4: absolutely and the thing is lorraine is the one that you would expect to take charge knowing her personality she's a strong woman she's a big woman uh, she's an I'm not going to take any mess from men type of woman, of woman. And you would expect her to be, to save the day when it's, uh, when she and Kathy are trapped with the killer. You would just somehow expect Lorraine to be the one to do something if something was going to be done. But Kathy is the one who really needs to learn how to take charge so that she can grow as a person and become more uh, proactive in her marriage, in her relationship with society. Whereas Lorraine actually needs to let somebody else do something for a change because she's always the one doing something, and a lot of the times the something she's doing isn't the right thing. So... In a way, what happens is good for both of them, or at least that's the message I was um, hoping to convey.
1: The title of the book "Freeway Close" and the author is Susan Calhoun. Susan, tell us how to get your book.
4: Okay, I have a website which is killer dot com, and the freeway, close, and killer are all case sensitive. They need to be in capitals. You can go to Freeway Close on Amazon or on the Author House website to buy the book as well. And of course, you can always call me at 310-438-6242, and I'll be happy to see that you get a copy.
1: Susan, thanks for being with us on Author Talk.
4: Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. That was Susan Close.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was Susan Calhoun. She is the author of her book freeway close
0: you're listening to author talk we'll be back right after these messages
5: People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes, and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears, just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices.
0: Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central, on toginet.com.
5: The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune into Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us.
0: For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleOdell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com.
5: Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. The American Rock and Roll
6: Countdown
0: with Alex Proud. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world.
1: The title of the book, A View from the Cosmic Mirror Reflections of the Self in Everyday Life. And the co authors are Dr. Gary Gemmel and Dr. George Krauss. And now they join us on Author Talk. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks
3: for having us. Hello.
1: Good to have you with us. Now, I'm going to read a couple of things that you have written about A View from the Cosmic Mirror to help everyone understand uh, what we're going to be talking about. A view from the cosmic mirror forges new ground in the dynamics of interpersonal relationships and in the psychology of self. It especially is powerful in the way it makes complex issues easy to understand and accessible to a general audience. You pose these questions. How do we discover the inner parts of ourselves? How do we find our gateway to real vitality and engagement in life? And what drives us to repeat over and over again unhealthy patterns in our relationships with others? This book, A View from the Cosmic Mirror, describes how to better understand the unseen parts of ourselves and how that influences the choices we make in our own personal growth. Well, obviously... This sounds very, very complicated, but at the same time, there's just some simple principles seem to be going on here in in how we think and how we interact with other people. Uh, Gary, tell us why you tackled this kind of uh, phenomenon in interpersonal relationships. What was the motivation?
3: Early on, I was very interested over my uh, life of Uh, looking at uh, inspiring quotes by great figures, both spiritual and psychological people. And I found that why the quotes um, were very profound, trying to apply them to my daily life, was... Extremely difficult. There wasn't much guidance. For example, I could take of one by uh, Swami Bhutanaga that said, "There's a great mirror in a Guru's eye, in which everything is reflected," and and I'd see another quote about the seer. See others clearly, you need to see yourself clearly, and then find a quote just the reverse of it. I was looking for uh, a way to find a way of taking these profound things and try to apply them to my life, and I really kind of found that, and George and I, through... uh, a lot of Hume's work on, uh, you know, projection, and the projection leads to the idea of the mirror, which is, I think, a more acceptable and easily really understood term, and doesn't sound so clinical, to see it as like a natural phenomenon that, uh, when we feel strong charges in interpersonal relationships, either positive or negative to people, it's really pulling up something in us, some hidden part of ourselves. In fact, uh, Jung uh, used to believe that uh, that everything appears projected out that's hidden in us so that we can begin to grasp and see it. You know, it might be objects, it might be people, and so to us, that was the cosmic mirror is all the people and objects in our environment. Which we you know project out all these hidden disowned parts of ourselves, and how to use a tech mirror on a daily basis is really what our work is about.
1: So, George, uh, in order to understand ourselves, we have to have an aware of awareness of how others in our lives function as a mirror back to us. Uh, I think we can understand the mirror reflection, the, the interaction. What is that about?
6: In the years of clinical practice that, uh, that I've had, i I found uh, certain patterns, Uh, repeating themselves over and over, patterns uh, that people exhibit uh, in um, relating to um, their partners or uh, patterns that uh, might repeat themselves in their relationship with their work or even relationships with uh, external objects like uh, alcohol or drugs. These patterns have uh, become so prominent Became aware that there were certain concepts that uh, seemed to help me better understand um, what was going on in them. Gary'd mentioned one of the principal concepts uh, is the idea of projection. That, in one sense, it's a defense mechanism that we use to protect ourselves. We might assign uh, blame, for example to someone else when we may ourselves be at least partially responsible for what may have transpired, but we might deny and project that responsibility onto somebody else. So there were a few uh, simple concepts like this that uh, seemed to recur over and over, I felt would be useful to bring to a larger audience Example of which uh, might be if, if you've ever noticed uh, how you've observed some personal quality about somebody else that uh, that they weren't aware of about themselves, and you might see something in them that that they can't see about themselves. Well, we take this a step further and and pose the question: uh, You know, have you ever thought what others might see in you that you can't see in yourself? just forms the basis for what we're calling the cosmic mirror
1: and as your work in organizational behavior gary uh when you bring this up to heads of companies corporations how do they handle that you know going into that unknown territory so to speak
3: well really they they get it because i I create a a learning situation where they actually uh, have a have another group another person to protect project out what's going on inside them, both in terms of negative and positive, because there's, I think one of our contributions you'll see is the splitting that that we project not only uh, sort of shadowy, dark parts of ourselves that we don't like, but also, uh, you know, parts that are very functional and very useful and inspiring. But I, I, there's a lot of ways of doing it. One is they they write feedback to each other, and and then they go through the feedback and put down simply. It may be true about the other person because most mirroring is based on some element of reality, but it's definitely true about them. It, it, it's they pick the words to frame it. They uh, you know and the things they say, so they they catch on and they see it, and it's a big insight. And and even seeing another group and writing up observations about that group. They realize what well, might have some value for them. It really, they can't do much about that other group, but it has a lot of value for them, suggesting to them the kind of issues that they're not dealing with in their own group. The so kind of work like, like that, I'd also like to mention actually, you know, it has a real interesting scientific base now And neuroimaging uh, around uh, uh, what's called mirror neurons, which is a really huge thing, which kind of gives uh, a scientific, biological basis for the process of mirroring.
1: Well, this mirror concept, George, we, we certainly could see that, uh, with children and parents and and with spouses, we're often so close to obviously those people. It may be difficult to really interact with them at this level, and really, I, I guess that's where you're, you're trying to get people to open up to each other. Is that right?
6: Well, that's right, and and you understand a key element in this, and that's uh, the need to create a emotionally safe enough environment for. Uh, for these kinds of self-examinations to take place. If a person feels threatened in any way, then uh, it's likely they're going to close up and not be willing to look at these very vulnerable sides of ourselves. Uh, just to add one one thing, too, uh, to the kinds of work that we, we do, um, with executives, uh, um, oftentimes uh, we'll work with uh, groups, work teams, and uh, in an attempt to understand uh, the uh, dynamics of their um, relationship with one another, an accounting group or a um, human resource group. And what we find inevitably is that uh, there's a kind of in-group and out-group bias It's a known, um, very reinforced uh, um, result from uh, social psychological experiments that uh, if you just divide people into two groups for even a minimal amount of time that people in each group are going to think that their group is better than the other group. And so the, the positive, they tend to uh, attribute more positive qualities to themselves and more negative qualities to the other group. And so this is a, another example of how uh, this uh, splitting uh, where um, positive and negatives don't get integrated uh, until the groups can begin to take ownership for you know, some of the qualities that they might, uh, project into the other group. This uh, this ownership then um, sets the stage for uh, beginning t- to look at, um, uh, allow the group members to be able to explore their own individual projections as well.
1: You had a very uh, complimentary review of your book, Self-Help for the Wounded Soul. Obviously there's a need for healing and you help understand how to bring that about tell us about the review a little bit i want
3: to say one thing if i could before add that if i think might be useful is you know in a way what we're saying um, is pretty seems paradoxical because uh, we're saying you know really to know yourself you can't go to a cave. And just meditate. It takes it takes another person to begin to really know yourself because you need a mirror to be able to see your reflection. The same thing with a group. You can't really know your group unless you have another group to relate to to be able to have a mirror to be able to clearly see the reflection of the stuff that's perking under the surface.
6: This is uh, Kirkus Discoveries, who is uh, one of the major reviewers of uh, published works. Uh, they, as you said, they described it as self-help for the wounded soul, and went on to say a beautifully rendered, well-organized, and supremely effective guide, full of insights for the ages. There was another review uh, by. Um, Philip Lichtenberg, who is the director of the Gestalt Therapy Institute of Philadelphia, uh, described the book, uh, in a word fascinating clearly illustrates the profundity and absurdity of our relationships with others takes the reader beyond the polarities of our conflicts with others to a place of renewal and hope for a more unified and peaceful world. So I think there's, uh, this last quote, uh, I think, um, captures, uh, a lot of the uh, application of um, the concepts that we're talking about here, we can you, we can not only understand um, better understand the dynamics of interpersonal relationships and intergroup relationships, but we can begin to understand also uh, the way uh, societies and segments of society uh, treat one another. For example, uh, how we may um, put down the the qualities of ethnic minorities. Uh, The concepts of the cosmic mirror help us uh, understand that better.
1: Well, we all would like to be guided to a place of renewal, a place of endless possibilities, to a new and more fulfilling, self-fulfilling emotional life, and that's what your book is there to help us. Gary, why don't you tell us uh, how to get your book?
3: The easiest way is we have a great website. It's www.thecosmicmirror.org. And, uh, they go to the website. Uh, there's a link uh, to, uh, Amazon and one to author house, and uh, they can order it from either link. Just they just press on, it'll take it right to it, and uh, that'd probably be the easiest way to get it. Although they could get it through, you know, Barnes and Nobles, but the easiest way is through going to our website. Plus, on our website, we have some very interesting things in a uh, uh, YouTube video and uh, free chapter and some other things i think they might find interesting
1: the title of the book a view from the cosmic mirror reflections of the self in everyday life dr gary gemmel and george Kraus, co-writers uh gary thanks for being with us
3: well thank you and george, thank you very much
1: thank you very much
6: thanks steve